to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Löwenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Legion podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrown. I'm the managing director of Bright Vision, as well as host of this podcast. And today's episode, we're going to talk about unleash your primal brain for effective legion. Very uh, unusual topic. It's the first time we have talked about primal brains here in this podcast. And we have an expert in this area, Tim Ash, who's a best-selling author, marketing advisor former agency entrepreneur and have a lot of things going on and also uh, international keynote speaker. So I'm really stoked to talk about this with you, Tim, today. So welcome to our podcast. (laughs) Great. Thanks, Jacob. Very happy to be with you. Yes. And so am I. We have a lot of stuff to discuss here. Uh, uh, But before we dive into that, maybe you can just give us all an update on, you know, who you are, what you're up to, and and so forth. Sure. Well, you've mentioned some of it already. I I attended uh, graduate school for cognitive science and what would now be called artificial intelligence, and then worked at a variety of high-tech companies, and then started my own conversion rate optimization agency, which I ran for over two decades. And uh, as part of that work, a lot of the value we created for our clients, both B2B and B2C, was based on these durable neuromarketing principles that we're going to focus on today. About three years ago, I stepped out of that role and sold my share in the company to partners. And I've been focusing more on my international keynote speaking, as well as marketing advisory for executives and uh, writing my new book. Again, we'll, we'll get to that soon enough. So I guess that brings us up to date. Awesome. Exciting career and and, a cool uh, new turn in your career as well, going from uh, entrepreneur to expert and author and speaker and so forth. So awesome. And your most recently published book, Unleash Your Primal Brain, uh, that takes us back to the fundamental why behind our actions and from an evolutionary perspective. I started up a little bit on this and because (laughs) it's a very interesting topic, but it's also, you know, not not the typical marketing topic, so to say, to go that deep down. So I'm I'm really interested to to ask you, you know, yeah, what what took you to start looking in this area of uh, understanding the primal brain, so to say? That's a great question. I guess you'd say I've come full circle. Again, I studied the brain and cognitive science and artificial neural networks when I was at the University of California, San Diego, and then I applied it to marketing. And now I've kind of come full circle to describing the brain and how it works again in more general terms. Uh, To me, it's the evolutionary perspective is very powerful. If you want to understand who we are, you have to retrace that whole arc of evolution. So Uh, understanding what we share with insects and other mammals and primates. And then at the end of that evolutionary arc, what makes us bizarrely and distinctly human? So you can't just uh, pick and choose. You have to understand uh, where we picked up everything along the way. So interesting. And as you said, you you also worked a lot with conversion rate optimization, have run an 
agency in that space for two decades and so forth. What are the primary connections between how we behave as subjects to marketing and to, you know, sales and the processes we as marketeers design and how we behave? Do you, have you been working with that? all the way in, in conversion rate optimization as well? or Well, it- yeah, I would say that probably two thirds or maybe even three quarters of that 1.2 billion in value that we created for clients was based on these durable neuromarketing evolutionary psychology principles. I, I see a lot of marketers, especially younger ones, focusing on the technology. And I always tell them, it's not about the technology, it's about the biology. In other words, if you focus on artificial intelligence or virtual reality or hologram suppositories. I don't know what the technology is going to be tomorrow. You're just doing tactical stuff. But what you're trying to influence on an evolutionary timescale isn't changing. It's the brain. So if you have a fundamental understanding of how to persuade people and why we act, that is the foundation of marketing. Mm. So true. So true. So it's a great book and so forth. But for our listeners, could you give us a little bit of the clip notes on your insights and your conclusions from your your research when, when you wrote this book? Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say it's not a neuromarketing book per se. It's basically the operating system that all 8 billion of us on the planet share. It's not about our differences. It's about our commonalities. So it can be used for personal development, better relationships. And of course, in business, if you read it with that mindset. It'll apply to leadership. It'll apply to corporate culture, persuasion, sales, marketing, all of those things. But a lot of it applies to marketing. Uh, And originally, I intended to make a part two of the book to just talk about how to apply it to marketing. Uh, But I'll give you some specific examples. I think marketers make a huge mistake by not focusing on the negative. Now, if you think about the positive and negative sorts of impacts on you, I know which one you're going to pay attention to more. For example, uh, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Um, yeah, it's just Yatella. <laughs> okay, so let's say here's a, be- a wonderful bowl of that ice cream for you, Jacob. But first, as you reach for it, I'm going to hit you on the back of the hand with a hammer. Just the one time. Is that okay? <laughs> Um, uh, not so I'm much. Not sure. <laughs> yeah, you're not sure. So I know that you're going to react to pain avoidance and risk and things that lessen your chances of survival a lot more than you will to positive things like eating your favorite ice cream. Mm. And most marketers are fighting with one hand tied behind their back because they say, well, we don't talk about negative things. That's off brand for us. And we don't even talk about our competitors. Uh, So I think it's a mistake. um, It's been shown that there's about a two to one, two and a half to one, in some cases, emphasis on negative stuff. That's what we pay attention to. So talking about sunshine and rainbows as marketers is a mistake. You have to rub salt into the wound and tell people how bad their situation is without your product or service before they're going to buy it. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So for that's a very good uh, rule to, to understand uh, and apply for marketing, definitely. Well, yeah, and, and as you know, a lot of B2B uh, companies, they have brand guidelines and everything else. They talk about their brand voice and they never say anything negative. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you just a quick example of 
this and how it works in practice, we were working with uh, Dropbox and their paid version of their software. Mm -hmm. And it was basically like, buy Dropbox business and your, your life will be wonderful. Yeah. And we, we designed a different landing page for a test for them, which was a before and after. Here's life before Dropbox Pro, here's life after Dropbox Pro. And the before was not having be able to attach files that were too big to your emails, not knowing which was the latest version and all these horrible things. Mm. And then after Lifebox, after Dropbox Pro, things got a lot better. But we created that contrast by first focusing on the negatives of what life is like without your product or service. Unexpected insights or conclusions that you draw when you wrote the book here? Well, pretty much all of it is unexpected in the sense of rational economics and decision-making theory has proven to be wrong. Most of the Nobel Prizes in economics have been in behavioral economics recently, talking about how irrational people are. But it's, to call it irrational is to denigrate it or minimize it. That's not the point. Human brains evolved in a particular environment, so what we're doing helps our survival. It's completely rational. Now, some of those biases are still built in and they don't work in a modern, complex society often, but to ignore them is what's, in my mind, irrational. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. So one conclusion is we're more irrational than we think we are. Oh, I'd say I start my book with that. The chapter one of my book is called The Big Lie. And it's mm -hmm. not about the stolen, allegedly stolen election in the U.S. or any of that. The big lie is that we're rational creatures and that we make decisions based on logic. Mm -hmm. The fact is, and I mean this literally, we cannot make a decision without an emotional or subconscious component. So the rational brain gives us options. But the irrational brain, the primal brain, is the one that decides based on how strong of an emotional reaction those options evoke. In other words, emotions are how you prioritize the possible responses. Without emotion, you literally can't decide. Oh, that's so interesting. And, and of these uh, insights and rules that you lay out uh, in the book, uh, based on our primal brains and how we work, which is the most important one to understand as a sales executive or as a marketeer running communication to clients? Well, I, again, well, I would say that negativity bias that we have built into our brains is very important. And not to make use of that is leaving a lot of money on the table. Mm -hmm. uh, so in other words, there's this workout motto. You might have heard of it. Uh, no pain, no gain, right? Yeah. If you're in the gym, no pain, no gain. It's the same in marketing. Mm -hmm. If you don't create a pain in me, you will not gain from that. You will not be able to financially benefit. The bigger my perceived problem, the more I'm willing to pay to have a solution to it. So you should emphasize all of the problems, long-term and short-term of staying on your current course, that it's really not okay to just cruise along as you are. Uh, another strategy that we've often deployed has to do with certainty. People like certainty and uh, they'll pay a premium for it. That's why scarcity tactics work, for example. Here, there's only two left. If you don't buy one now, you may not get one in mm. five minutes because it'll be gone. Mm. I don't know if you've ever bought tickets to a popular concert online. They say there's 17 left. No, there's 12 left. There's five left. You better get it now. Yeah, so we will, we'll pay extra for certainty. 
Um, let me give you a quick example. Let's say I said, you know, Jacob, you need an operation. Um, it's not optional. You need to have it. And the 97% of the time, everything will be fine. Your problem will be gone. And it's a one hour inpatient procedure. You'll be walking by the end of the day. Okay. Mm. What do you think? Sounds pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about this? I come to you. I'm the same doctor, but I come to you and I say, Hey, Jacob, you need this operation. It's not really optional. Um, 3% of the time you're going to have severe ongoing consequences, or you might die on the operating table. <laughs> well, that's uh, not so much, yeah. but I've just said the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. There's a 97% chance that everything is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But again, we're threat focused and we want that certainty. So something that gets rid of uncertainty that gets rid of that 3%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want zero chance of something going wrong. We'll pay a huge premium for that. Yeah, yeah. So guaranteed results, SLAs and things like that. Yeah, then. exactly. So, yes, yeah, so service level agreements are a perfect example. I don't want to hear about your 99.99% uptime. I want to know that my network is never going down. Yeah. And, and I'll pay five times as much or 10 times as much for that rather than 99.99 uptime. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's a great takeaway right there. So um, that's so awesome. And um, I also know that you're talking about that in order to create those emotions that are irrational and unlogical sometimes <laughs> that we as marketeers need to understand uh, so we can use them in our communication and so forth. But you also talk about if we can create a multi-sensory experience, it's, it's even stronger and, and evoke better emotional reactions than um, yeah if we don't <laughs> so would you say that how should we try to evoke emotions from a strong and correct perspective from a marketing standpoint mm, well i think if you want things to be memorable they need to be unique uh, in mm. other words if i've dealt with something automatically before uh, tying your shoes, driving your car. I've done that a thousand times. I'm not going to consciously think about it. But if mm. it's something that uh, evokes strong emotions in me, it's more likely to be remembered and stick in my mind. So multi-sensory, I use the analogy of a roller coaster. If you're in an amusement park and you're a roller coaster, there's wind, there's people screaming, there's all these G-forces on your body. And uh, that's something that you're going to remember. Mm. Uh, whereas driving your car, you know, you do that every day, it, it mm. won't be memorable. So the important takeaway here is that our minds are a forgetting machine. Most stuff is instantly dismissed. It's not even remembered. Um, so we're just flushing things. We're, we don't want to remember it. We don't want to spend cognitive effort on it. So for something to stick out, it has to be very salient and memorable. And the way to do that is with evoking strong emotions could be positive or negative. Again, Often negative are even more powerful than positive because there's a bias in that direction. So again, you, when you think I'm selling uh, gigaflops and petabytes and, and um, hosting and uptime, no, you're actually selling individual risk and corporate risk. Mm -hmm. And you need, to, you, you need to be the Cassandra, the doomsayer, the one that tells me that what my world's gonna turn upside down if I don't have your solution. So you want to bring that up in the storytelling form and very vivid anecdotes and things like that. Not the logical stuff with your bronze, silver, and gold plans and the little check marks about what they include. Okay, so, so one conclusion here is that many times we play it 
way too safe from you know uh, invoking emotions that it's it's too much plain old uh, you know plain vanilla kind of marketing or sales messaging that we use yeah so so the two ways that you can improve your marketing immediately is first i'll have a strong brand voice i believe that that's something that costs you nothing except a little thought and can make it distinct so any communication coming out of your company has a particular tone and the way i suggest you do this is come up with three adjectives that describe your brand voice for example um direct uh edgy and funny now that might not fit all companies but every piece of marketing that comes out of your company should have that tone and it's like oh that's those direct edgy funny guys and and that by itself cuts through a lot of clutter another thing you should do is use storytelling stories are very powerful and they bypass all the logical stuff so when you tell me a story literally if i'm telling you a story your brain is synchronizing with mine in terms of the meaning and the and the parts of the brain activated so it's like that Vulcan mind meld on Star Trek that Mr. Spock does. It's mm. literally like that. And it bypasses all the logical defenses. Mm. So you can tell a story and have a moral that implants itself in my head. And that's that's a very powerful way to deliver the message. Hmm. So interesting. Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. What, what format do you think captures people's, because I think from one side, we're having a really low attention span these days because our inboxes are full, our social media mm-hmm. is scrolling, you know, there's so <laughs> many messaging thrown at us. On the other side, people are downloading or, or you know, listening into two and a half hour podcasts <laughs> all the time. And, mm. and we're listening to long form content more than ever in many ways. Um, what how do you think our brains want to consume a good story? What would you do in order to communicate a good story? Because there's, you know, it's easy to just end up in the clutter. (laughs) Yeah, what you don't want to do is uh, what I call stupid social media, which is just having it on a production schedule. Now, not that that's always bad. For example, I'm sure you publish this podcast regularly, that's necessary. But just to publish little memes or snippets or, surface level stuff that that's not good. So um, stories can be of any length. I can tell you um, somebody once that was asked to write a short story in in one sentence and they did this and they said this, um, this is a brilliant piece of sales copy. Um, one pair of infant's shoes for sale unused. Do you see the power of that? That's a whole story. You start putting your own meaning on it. What happened? Why weren't they used? You know, what happened to the person they were intended for? All of Mm. these things, right? So stories can be that compact. They, Mm. you can have a story on TikTok if you want. Mm. You can also have something in a half-hour podcast or, um, or a downloadable document of some kind, or or anything in between, a two-minute video. 
the important thing is to craft it in a proper story arc. And often those um, have the form of the hero's journey. This is an age old storytelling form from the Odyssey in Greece, the Star Wars. It's all about somebody that was in the world, something went wrong, they went on a quest, they expected or they got allies or overcame obstacles, killed the dragon, and then there was a regreening of the earth. That story form uh, is really, really powerful and should be used. And you can use that for um, a variety of purposes. The, I went on a quest to help make the internet hosting more reliable because I saw all these businesses suffering from downtime and all of its painful consequences. And I didn't like how these big hosting companies were doing it. So I studied it for five years and I came up with the perfect hosting for mid-sized businesses. So anything can be turned into that story arc, but mm. the hero's journey itself is a very powerful rapper. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And if you have a great story and then you want to create a really good multi-sensory experience, what's, do you have an example where you have seen a good story that also comes through through a multi-sensory experience? Well, the multi-sensory is what makes it most memorable. You don't always have that luxury. To, you know, it might be, um, I'd say having live people, having video, seeing people's emotions, short form video, I'm a huge fan of. Mm. Uh, I think even in business to business, people say, well, that's only for consumer brands. Not true at all. Mm. Um, you can have short form videos. They're really not hard to produce. You shouldn't sweat the production quality of them just because you're trying to look professional, but experiment with short form video because you get, well, well they say, for example, uh, when you're speaking to someone, there was a famous study a long time ago said only about 7% of it is the content you're saying about a third is uh, the, sorry, only 7% is the content about a third is tone of voice. And the other two thirds is body language. Mm. That, that's what we're really queuing off of because that's its own very rich language that we pay attention to. So actually seeing someone on screen with video, seeing the micro expressions on their face, seeing their emotional affect in conveying that story can add so much more. So it's great to have just the words, you, you labor over writing those. It's great to have them in audio form, like the listeners of this podcast. But if you see someone that gives you the two thirds extra. Wow, that's interesting. Really good example there, you know, good story and also like video and audio and, you know, finding many channels that it creates a rich experience. Really, really good. And if we take it to, to you know, uh, tie it together uh, once again to your uh, agency background and all of this. What would you say is some of the most common pitfalls and mistakes marketeers do today uh, based on all your knowledge in, in Unleash the Primal Brain? <laughs> mm. Well, uh, I think that this was also uh, you know, definitely true when I ran my marketing agency, but the key is know your audience. In mm. other words, I think marketers are saying, we have a product and we have the megaphone and we're going to tell the whole world about why they need our product. Mm. Right? That's how most marketing happens. And that's completely backwards. To me, it's understand or pick a very niche audience mm. and say no a lot. Okay. Mm. What's the demographic? No, it's narrower than that. No, it's narrower than that. Just it might be um, 
directors of IT at companies from 50 to 100 million dollars in the manufacturing industry in Luxembourg. I mean, it could be that specific, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Just narrow it down. Don't think you can sell your crap to everybody because it's not going to be memorable for them. Mm -hmm. So and then go and understand those people spend time with them, go in the field with them, interview them, not the demographic stuff that you used to narrow it, but understand their values. And that's really, really important. So you need to be able to speak in native terms and speak their language and understand that even if they're going to buy your stuff, you're peripheral, you're out here on the edge. Where's their center of gravity? Where do they live? Who do they associate with? What do they care about? What's their mindset? And only after you understand that can you design marketing campaigns for them. Uh, that, that includes everything from business model to communications tone to offers and everything else. That's done at the very end. You don't start with that. Mm. That's good. That's really, really good content there. Uh, for marketeers to remember, because uh, it all starts with the knowledge about the client, and then you can build it from there. That's yeah, so the hardest thing for us to do as marketers is change this inside out from inside the company megaphone to the outside world perspective to outside in. So take these people wherever they are with all of their misconceptions, with being busy, being tired, not giving a crap, misunderstanding your offer, all of that. Take that as the starting point. In fact, some of the best sales copy we ever wrote in my agency days wasn't written by us. Mm -hmm. We would go and we'd look on social media or we'd talk to the customer service people. You want to know what people really think of your product? Listen in on your customer support line for one day a year. Mm -hmm. You'll get an earful. But that's also the ones that are closest to the customer. So that's where you want to see how are they talking about it? What are they saying? Uh, and that's where the gold is. So get out of your bubble. Stop talking about return on ad spend and go talk to some clients. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, really. So that was great, Tim, to, to get that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you, you can see I have a few uh, war wounds of my own from being an agency <laughs> owner for a couple of decades. So. Well, I think that's really interesting. And I, I totally agree also with niching down and really understand a smaller market really well rather than going too broad. Uh, I had a discussion around that with Jeffrey Moore, who wrote The Crossing the Cast. Yep. Perfect. The I was just going to use his book as an example, like the bowling alley analogy. The head pin knocks over a couple of other small niches, and then you get to the mainstream market. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you yeah. can't build a Sony or a McDonald's kind of brand anymore. That takes hundreds of millions of dollars and decades. Mm. So you have to be a magnet that attracts a very small group of people. By the way, it doesn't mean you can't have multiple segments, but you need mm. to treat all of them as separate. Mm. Uh, it's kind of like putting jam on bread. You know, you spread it too thin, you can't even taste it. So really focus. Absolutely. I totally agree. And uh, as he said it, he, he had still to find a niching down strategy for a B2B tech company in, in his case that haven't worked, you know, it's, it's really a good strategy to bet on if you want to bet on, you know, a go-to-market strategy. So, yeah, absolutely. For... And yeah, go back and read his book. Uh, I mean, he's written several, but crossing the chasm is still a classic if you're yeah, trying to, yeah. trying to grow your business. And now we have a new classic coming up <laughs> with your book as well here and uh, unleashing uh, your primal brain. 
and uh, thank you so much for for laying out the the cliff notes and applying them to marketing for us i think it was really awesome uh, i think we had really uh, a good few insights here that we can apply directly to our marketing stuff that we're all working on on a day-to-day -day basis so thank you so much tim and for listeners who, who feel that i really want to you know more more about your uh, book of course but also your content or you know speaker opportunities things like that where can we send them yeah so if you're interested in just the applied marketing stuff i wrote a, i literally wrote the books on landing page optimization so go pick up a copy of my book landing page optimization mm -hmm. uh, the new book unleash your primal brain demystifying how we think and why we act that's available at primalbrain.com. It's it's available all over the world in all formats. I recorded the audiobook myself. There's also an ebook, um, and it's going to be translated in the Chinese and Russian, as I understand it, and Brazilian Portuguese very soon. So, uh, if you actually, if you want your own chapter of your choice, just go to primalbrain.com/book and uh, pick out the chapter, and I'll send it to you. And if you're interested in my marketing advisory consulting or public speaking, just go to timash.com. Great. That's that's a good uh, URL. <laughs> <Too much. laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I, um, I uh, wish you all the best with your future books and endeavors and speaker engagement things. You have a lot of things cooking there, Tim. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Jacob. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com. <laughs>